Jesus Christ, Doc, you disintegrated Einstein. Disintegrated Einstein. Einstein. It's a mini-sode. Hi, it's Frina. And it's Abby. And welcome to our mini-series, Nothing is Real Except the Sheep. This series, we're stepping into a Fildickian frame of mind and exploring our perception of reality, identity, drugs and electronics. But before we try to solve matters in the middle of the night, we must agree that the best response to reality is for us all to go insane. Now, would you like coffee with your empathy box today? This is our first of five movies inspired by the writings of Philip K. Dick, and we are starting with the golden goose that is Blade Runner, original 1982 version. Frida, what did you think of this movie? Oh, God. Um, really putting me on the spot here. Um, the, I love this movie. The The best thing about this movie is the set design. It's like so oh, crazy. Yes. It's just so detailed and there's it's insane. The yeah. old and the new and it's just it's wild and amazing to look at. Like every shot is just beautiful. Yeah. I love the whole like it's very like I, I didn't realize this, but like it's all like that kind of noir style is what the idea is yeah for sure Uh, so i love that whole kind of like 40s style movie with the rough Mm -hmm. and gruff pi the sultry dame thing i actually wrote down keeps rocking up i wrote down a line and it's it's not from the movie but it's like this whole idea of it it's like the dame scream hit an octave usually reserved for calling dogs but it meant i had a case and the sound of greenbacks slapping across my pen is music to my ears any day after all, I'm not an opera critic. I'm a private eye. Do you know what mm. that line's from? What's that from? Calvin and Hobbes. Oh. <laughs> I love it. That's great. So, yeah, I, I'm really into the vibe of this movie, this whole kind of mm. that, yeah. that storyline thing. with the, And it's the lighting raining. as well, like on the eyes and everything. Yeah, it's beautiful. And, and the, the building, that the Tyrell Company building, yeah, it it looks as if they're in the pyramids, right? Exactly. Yeah, all the, it has these look, it's primitive yeah. look, but future look. Mm. It's it's the just kind so of cool. Industrial, industrial, compact, kind of in on top of each other, and then you've got this like opulent, um, mm. opulent, but yet ancient. Yes. And and you see, there's like old, there's ancient things happening in some of the sets in the place mm. where. The doll maker is living. It's he's clearly like living among the ruins of something. Yeah. Um. So it's it's like it, it's so much more complicated than just futuristic society. Yeah. Everything things there are elements to it which are familiar to us, which are sort of familiar in our own history that we can kind of picture this being our future. Yeah. Um. Well, I do the summary, and then yeah, and Crash Jones. Yes. So. It's the future, about now times, apparently. But a lot of humanity is living the dream on colonies off-world, with their android workers in tow. However, no matter how much the creators strive to perfect the illusion of humanity, the idea that an android should have emotion or desire to live as a human is not only repellent, it is a threat. In a society evolved through technology, the strongest human emotion fear of those that are different still pervades. Bounty hunters exist to eradicate the world of rogue androids attempting to pass as humans. But the question is, do androids dream of electric sheep? 
<laughs> Before I go into the thoughts on the the cast and the scenes, um, what did this like? Did you have a did this evoke a feeling in you and like the version of reality that it is? Like, did you kind of have any? Um, if I've got to pick with an emotion, I'd say just the sense of panic and and <laughs> like just no room. A society where there's just no room. There's just it's just crushing you. Yeah. Like it's just nowhere to move. Um, it just felt like the people at the bottom and they're just there at the bottom. Right. Nowhere to go up. Nowhere to even live. It's like just it's was so confined. It made mm. me feel kind of stressed out. Yeah. Yeah. Just no. How confined I everything was and how on top of every every each other they all were stressful. Yeah. That's, I think that's how I felt as well. I felt very kind of like, it was almost just like there was just, there was nothing else. Like this is the way it is and this is what mm-hmm. we do and we all just exist. You don't enjoy your life, you just exist and you do your yeah. thing and then and that yeah. was it. There's nothing else. Survive, yeah. yeah. So did you have any specific thoughts about the cast? I uh, see Harrison Ford has just got his dark brow. It works so well with the tone of the movie. He's just his, he's got a dark facial expressions. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just, yeah. it's just so good. Um, I don't know. I love Daryl Hannah mm. when she rocked up. I don't have any specific. It was just, they were all, they were all wonderful. I yeah. thought all the, the weird sort of characters and the weird set pieces and the weird situations, it was all just like one amazingly original thing after the other. And everybody was so like bloody fabulous Yeah. to watch, the, especially the women, like those two. Yeah. Just uh, uh, two, three, three. Right. Yeah. Just the three women. Yes. It's just like, it's just so amazing. Or the costume with the, whatever she was like, a kind of stripper type thing with the snake and mm. the, the sequins all over her. And then like Rachel and her hair and it just her whole demeanor and all her emotion. And then uh, like the other with the gymnastics, like it was just all just yeah. kind of this array of just weird wackiness. Yeah. Beauty. That's what it is. It's all that kind of, it's very, I think it's the thing that I love about Philip K. Dick. It's that, you know, here's something semi, here's a, a version of what you're sort of familiar with, with something really futuristic and then just a bunch of really weird, weirdness thrown in there. Um, I, I loved William Sanderson, J.F. Sebastian, my heart. Oh, I loved God, him. My heart. I was just like, oh, please don't hurt him. And they did. Yeah, he's in Deadwood actually. Now I now mm. I remember it sort of comes back to me. Yeah, he's 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 he was great. Yeah. He was um, in, kinda of innocent. Are there any specific scenes that you are into or that kind of stand out? Um the thing that really stands out to me is the death of Daryl Hannah. Um, I kind of like how they set up the different androids were at different levels and she was obviously like an earlier version and she wasn't as good at fighting or as good as it. Um, but her death really like hit me the way that she sort of moved around on the floor, like a oh yes. cockroach. It was just terrible to watch. And the androids, like their whole relationship. Um, what's the, what's that? What's the main guy's name again? The main baddie, the big baddie. Um, I forget his name now, but their whole relationship and the kind of a, a weird emotion between the androids, um, replicants i found that scene kind of hit me quite a lot how about you yeah. did you have any standout scenes um yeah sorry i was just trying to see um what is it roy 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 roy, roy yeah sorry yeah 
That's my brother's name. <laughs> Shouldn't have been hard for me to remember. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I had, I've got like, there's, there's just three just brief kind of points. Well, two brief ones where just the scene where he's enhancing the photograph. I was I'm gonna, mesmerized. I'm going to bring it up later. Okay, so I'm going to leave that alone because I was mesmerized <laughs> by that. Um, yeah. And the scene at the end when he was on the roof hanging, I was so stressed out. That entire roof scene yeah. with the rain and the, I was, it just. The fingers. Yeah, I was very, very stressed. But mm. the thing, the scene that I do want to kind of stands out to me and I feel really, ah, oh, it's weird because it's, you know, it's one of those things where you're going like, this is such an iconic movie and it's such a great movie. But can we just talk about the rapey moment? Because it made me oh so uncomfortable. Oh my God. It was, I was yelling at the, the screen. I couldn't believe it. And I her think, fear of him was so obvious. And I think why harks, she would stay with him. Yeah, yeah. So I think it harks back to a day like when we romanticized men being forceful. Like mm. this idea that like, um, you know, it's, it's just, there's a difference between like sexy, I want you to be forceful and like controlling rapey. And that just felt controlling rapey to me. It was like, yeah. I was like, this isn't a romantic version of this. This isn't a, she's slightly hesitant and mm. she just needs him to, oh, she's it's like, scared. Ooh. it was like, this is not okay. She's what is right. happening? Are you, like you're portraying yeah. it like you have this emotional connection to her, but you're still treating her like she's a machine. Yeah, he's that insisting. That you have a right to. Yeah, I, I would direct you to a video essay because Harrison Ford, it's, it's a, in a lot of his movies actually. Um, he has a similar moment with Princess Leia and with the whip in the end of whatever the whip movie is. Um, when he, uh, and <laughs> there's a guy called Pop Culture Detective and he has these yeah. video essays. They're fantastic. And he has one called The Predatory Romance in Harrison Ford Movies. And I direct you to that. It's okay. fantastic. Fantastic. Cool. Yep. We'll have a look at that. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we'll drop a link in the, in the show notes. Um, yep. So... Let's have a look at the questions that we've laid out for this discussion. First up, what is the most terrifying aspect of this society? I wrote the, the not valuing life aspect of it, I think. Mm-hmm. Like if we that if we descend into something that's that tiered, that people are dispatched and yeah. there's just no empathy. And this is idea that we discussed with survival. Everyone's trying to survive, not caring about others. And then, of course, there's this added thing of people on the top doing experiments you know, just experiments with no concern. And they're like, the people at the bottom are fodder for all of those advances. I found that, that to me was the most distressing part of that society. Yeah. What about you? Um, I kind of, it's so weird. It's like, I don't, I've got two. I've got one that's like in the movie and one that actually is not highlighted in the movie, but it's one of the main focuses of the book. So I just kind of want to mention it because I feel like it's important to show the distinction between the two. Um, I don't like sorry one second it's this idea for the movie that it's kind of similar to what you're saying in that we would spend years and years and years and so much money time brain power trying to create machines that can replicate our thoughts and our, like our thought patterns replicate how we behave learn for themselves and look and respond the way that we do and that finally we would achieve it and then we would treat them as nothing but servants and choose to destroy them if they expressed any individual thought. Like, that's yeah. mad to me. Yeah. Like, what are we yeah. trying to achieve with all this, like, machine learning and deep learning thing 
if then when a machine actually does learn how to emulate a certain behavior, we decide they don't have a right to that behavior. I don't know. It's weird. I don't know how to feel about it. Yeah. Do I, yeah. should I feel like it's a machine? Should I feel like it's a human? I don't know. Well, it's a creation of humans. Mm. They create, it's a creation like the, to create something that you created, but then when it f- goes out of the boundaries of what you expect, you think it's within your right to destroy it because you created it. Yeah. It's very arrogant. Right? Yes, mm-hmm. playing God. And that's what they say, isn't it? It's uh, it's about the playing God. Yeah. With the creator. Well, the other aspect then that's, um, like I said, it's, it's not really in the movie, but it's the central story to the book. And it's the idea that we would lose animals. So in the oh. book, the earth is so desolate that animals are now rare and owning one is a status symbol. So if you're poor, like if you're wealthy, you can own a real animal which is why the guy has the owl and they're asking, is Mm. it real? Um, But if you're poor, you can only get like a realistic looking electronic animal. So in the book, Deckard owns an electric sheep and he dreams of saving up enough money to be able to buy a real one. And Mm -hmm. so I like the connection it brings to the title of the book, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? And like, do the androids have the same dreams as us? Mm -hmm. But yeah, I just found that just a bit like the idea that we would live in a society where animals no longer... Are free yeah, that's frightening. Existing. That is really fucking scary. But I didn't have my little pupper. Oh my god! <laughs> I need my little dog. Making it all about me now. How about just the fact that animals and their right to exist? I know, that I we know. would destroy the planet say. so that animals can't gonna... live. <laughs> Sorry. I'll, I was gonna I'll say it less selfishly. <laughs> oh, there she goes barking away. All right. Question two: Who do you think you would be in this society? What role do you think you would have? Well, I was just thinking like I'd hustle, you know, you try to think of a skill which makes me useful so that you can survive by giving people a service. Mm. I just imagine that'd be like that. And so I was thinking like the microscope lady. Oh, okay. She's just got a microscope. She's like, oh, I'm good at this thing. And she makes herself useful by being having like yes. a valuable skill and a piece of equipment that's essential to the skill. And so I felt like that that would be kind of like, I hope so. I think that I would actually yeah. be useless and die. But um, <laughs> I'd like to think that I'd I'd find something that I did that I'm like, oh, you can come to me for that. Yeah. That's such a good answer. That's so much better. I just assumed that I'd just be like JF Sebastian. I'd just be in some desolate <laughs> apartment, like on my like, own. I'd be like surrounded by all these little trinkets <laughs> that I've been saving up. They wouldn't let me go and live on the colony because they'd just be like, yeah. You've got to stay down here. I'd probably avoid all human contact and just, yeah, play virtual with chess with my boss. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's pretty interesting, that one. <laughs> so upsetting. Your answer is way better. I forgot about the, the woman with the microscope. Uh, okay, so question number three. What aspect do you think will happen in our future? Do you think there is something from this movie that is a pre- mm pre 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 thing you know there's a word that goes yes, with that <laughs> i really really do and i was thinking continuing on the thing about how there's pyramids and there's in jf sebastian's house specifically it's almost looked like it's an old shopping mall or something mm-hmm. like that and actually it is something that we're seeing now that <clears throat> that there are relics of like 20 20th century excess oh, um yeah. that that are around like 
because, and we have to contend with ourselves, like the 20th century is over. We're in the 21st century. Now it's different. And in the 20th century, there was all this excess and this feeling like it could only get better and things could only get better. And people built these malls that were like palaces, you know, mm. because of how much excess I'm talking in America here. Yeah. And then eventually those places were abandoned because we're not in the 20th century anymore and things have changed. And we had a huge recession at the beginning of the first decade. And, and you know, our opulence isn't really something to strive for anymore. And those places are abandoned. And you can see people like filming them, these like abandoned yeah opulent shopping malls that are just these relics of a time where we really thought we'll never have anything less than everything that we need. Um, And so this movie really shows you these little shots where you had these, you know, echoes of of humanity that just made to excess and consumed and consumed. And I do think that is kind of where we're heading. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) This mini series is taking me to a lot of places. I know. I was like, I was so hyped because it's like, this is not maybe the laugh along riot of the um, of the aliens. Well, it's good. <laughs> we can be serious. Uh, yeah, what what do you think is something that? They... Well, that's well, that's the thing. I I like I like how how this stuff makes you think, like how you think about society and how we behave and stuff. And and yeah, I mean that's so true. What you're saying about the about the malls and the the opulence in this um kind of we've just we kind of went so far ahead with this idea of like oh we'll have all of this stuff and one of the things that we're still working towards that uh, will 100% be happening is service robots like that's no question in my mind whatsoever that we will have I mean we're working on this so much especially even ones that look like us and have like you know silicon materials to make themselves look like they have faces but I also definitely think and this is very um uh, d- tone lowering but we are absolutely going to destroy this planet and make it inhabitable inha- for humanity yeah. and animals like it, we are we just yeah we have yeah it's there's this future is coming where there is no like where there's no I mean they do they do it in in the movie at the end they still seem to have areas of greenery in the book it's not like that at all in the book there's most of humanity is gone there's hardly any people left. They're just people living, kind of maintaining mm-hmm. like what's left on Earth. But like it's just toxic environment. There's no yeah. none of this um shit. Yeah. Fun. Shit. <laughs> welcome. Welcome to our lighthearted <laughs> mini series. <laughs> okay, question oh, four. Yeah, I'm okay, okay, okay. Question four. Pick a piece of tech or science and explain it. <laughs> Well, I just, I want to go back to the image thing because it's probably, this is actually, I wrote it as I was saying, I was like, that's the most accurate image in hands I've ever seen. Well, initially I've changed my mind (laughs) (laughs) without any punctuation. Um, So before it starts to enhance in the reflection on the eyes and the thing, I'm like, okay, okay, buddy. But I just really like, I thought the way that they read the image in and it kind of passed the image into an array, which is exactly what we do yeah. and then so so he he reads the image in and it comes up on a screen with a sort of matrix so it's in squares and he calls out parts of it by identifying the position um of that element in the array um 
And then that's how he calls it up. So when he was doing that, I was like, sick. Yeah. That's like analog image processing. I thought that that was super, super cool. And forget what he then did, but I just like <laughs> that he was using the positions of the array. Like he yeah. passed the image into an array. Awesome. So that that's the part that I decided yeah. to stick on because I had a good I had a good response. I thought that was kind of awesome. Like I like that it was futuristic, but of course it's from the seventies, right? And so yeah. it's futuristic for them. Yeah. That's futuristic, but it still hits a it hits a good spot. It hits a good spot uh, to me now. Uh, yeah. Seeing that kind of it is futuristic, but it's also kind of analog, and I really love that. It's that I love that whole mix of it, and I think it it's prevalent in yeah. a lot of Philip K. Dick stuff of like it's advancement, but still also there's aspects that are just really kind of old school. Like I loved how the look of everything, like you said about the style, the design, like you know you're still like looking at all these old screens in the way that we would think of them from the eighties, but with this cool stuff going on. It's yeah, great. so much it. style. Yeah. Um, I went with the Voigtkamp machine because I thought I should maybe was like just try and explain it. Okay. Kind of what they're what they're doing with it. Uh, the Voigtkamp machine is the empathy test that he does on that he conducts on the robot on yeah. the android okay. on Rachel. Uh, yeah. Basically, what they're saying is that so there's I actually wrote down the lines from the book where they describe it, and what he tells her is there's one piece. Um, there's one piece of equipment that's attached and it measures the capillary dilation in the facial area because we know this to be a primary autonomic response, autonomic response, uh, the so-called shame or blushing reaction to a morally shocking stimulus. It can't be controlled voluntarily as can skin conductivity, respiration, cardiac rate. And then there's a second part that records the fluctuations of tension within the eye muscles uh, simultaneously with the blush phenomenon. So they're basically saying that when faced with a question of morals, there would be an empathetic response which triggers a physical reaction. And the Voigtkamp test measures these physical responses in order to determine if they are present and what the delay time is. Because it's suggesting that a human would have an involuntary immediate reaction, whereas an android would either not react or realize that they should be reacting and do so with a delay that will give them away. Uh Uh-huh. I just thought it was really interesting because then I was kind of like, I, my, I I honestly did this thing where I kind of went, oh, empathy test? Do you think that's a real thing? And then I Googled it and I was like, oh, look, there's this whole book chapter all about all the different types of empathy tasks that they do in science. <laughs> so there's actually a book chapter and it's called Measures of Empathy, Self-Report, Behavioral and Neuroscientific Approaches. And it is actually co-authored by someone at Uni Melbourne. FYI. Um... So it says that there are ways that you can self-report, which are by people just answering questionnaires, including like pencil and paper measures. Then there are also behavioral methods that would be evaluations of experimental stimuli and performances on tests. And then there's all the neuroscientific approaches, which are brain imaging techniques and other measures of central nervous system activity um, or facial electromyography and autonomic nervous system measures in order like and that's the one where they say they can like measure skin conductance and heart rate and stuff to determine what your empathetic responses would be and i was like oh cool that's super cool yeah that was about it really (laughs) it's pretty interesting i don't know what do what did you think about the um the empathy test yeah um 
what I thought about it was really, really cool was that um, there was kind of a data analytics aspect to it as well, mm. um, that they were asking a lot of questions and it wasn't just the answers to the questions, it was like the cross-referencing or the combinations of answers to the questions. Yeah. And so I like the hint of that very complicated analytical process um, that would lead them to figure it out. Like, so you can't really cheat it. Like, it's very, very complex. Yeah. It's, yeah, I, I kind of, I just liked the setup. I liked that they gave enough information to explain to you that it's a quite a complicated analytical process and he's very trained in it and it takes mm. quite a long time. That just was, it was, it was a cool in terms of like scientific questionnaire stuff. Like yeah. they set it up really, really well and executed it in a way that it, it was, it was, it was like believable and I was a, mm. kind of along, along for it. Along for the ride. Along Ooh, for the ride. Speaking girl. of along for the ride, what do you think would never happen in our world? We have it. Oh, um, what I wrote was I think that we would self-destruct before we could build that level of technology. Because you're saying about oh. servants and everything like that, um, flying cars, for example, right? That's, or with, or yeah. we'd live in a very two-tier society where the rich people would block everyone out and have all of that. I just think that flying cars are just not really – they're not really important because we're at the point already where we're starting to look like or we realize everything's in decay. And I just – I hope um, that I just don't think things like flying cars will happen. So I'm I'm looking ahead that the technology that we will end up building is more ri- um, risen from necessity. Um, so a, a lot of what they showed on screen is like super extra. So I don't think that we're going to get there. We're going to we're not going to get to that super advanced civilization. I think that architect like the the, um, the the science and the advances that we do will be a bit more banal than all of that. I think that architecture will end up being about sustainability and functionality and not artistry. And a lot of the architecture they have there, there's like a lot of beautiful detail. There's like so much beautiful detail in the architecture. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that that's where we're heading in the future. I think things will be function. Right. To house people. Yeah. Like apartments won't have that level of beautiful detail. Yeah, that makes and sense. And our science won't be that extra. That's that's what I reckon. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> have uh, another swig of this drink. Okay. <laughs> what did you write? Uh, so, I uh, yeah, that's exactly... It's so funny that you said that because... <laughs> I went with like um, speaking of along for the ride because my answer was flying cars. It's <laughs> just like straight up, just no, no. It I will just never don't happen. think because it's not even uh, my answer is nowhere near as evolved as yours. <laughs> because oh. mine is mine was just more a case of like even if we could develop a car that could fly, I just don't believe that we could develop a the system in the air to be able to control that's that. Right. You know, that's what I think is the yeah. thing that would just be too this whole like air traffic control but on a lower system and then of course what about buildings and people's kind of right to privacy and yeah do they have to be above all the buildings in order and then how high does that have to get it and then yeah i don't know i just think it's i just think it's a a thing that's not yeah functional. but in 1982 not 70 sorry 1982 how would audiences know they were in the future if they weren't flying cars this is true yeah exactly. the jetsons told us this everything has to fly <laughs> Um, okay, so final comments. Do you have I've, any final uh, comments? I have three. Okay, cool. One is a little comment. I really there's a really good bit. I probably should have said it before, but when there's um, 
there's piano sounds and then it turns out he's playing it. Is it him? He's sort of playing his piano. Oh, yeah. And I just want to say that that's called diegetics, diegetic music, when music that's coming from within the movie other and not the score of the oh. movie. And I love when movies play with diegetics. With the, you first hear the music thinking that it's part of the score and then you see the character play it. It's something I really, really love in okay. movies it's called diegetics um my second comment is about rachel's hair ah. because her hair is up and it's for sure with so much spray and then she takes it out and it's so curly and flowy and i just want to say that that is a scientific impossibility <laughs> and her makeup sort of seems to change as well and my third comment is what is the point of a combat android that can feel pain Right, which one? What? Yeah, I don't know what I wrote that in reference to, but I've written it. Well, because they're not combat, though, are they? They're service. But then also, what is the point in them being able to feel pain? Is it so that they can assess when something is wrong, maybe, or is it just because the creator, like his desire, is his desire is not focused on creating the most serviceable robots? He's doing that, or not serviceable, the most advanced service robots. He's doing that because that's, you know, his job. But I think his personal goal is to create a robot that can pass all the tests. He wants to be able to create uh, one that can survive. He wants him to be. And yeah. that can okay. emulate humanity. So maybe that's why. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Well, no, that, those, are, those are all my final comments. What are your final okay. comments? Uh, I've got two. And my first one is that uh, for the idea that he's like this big shot, top-notch bounty hunter, he's not very stealthy. <laughs> it's like when he, when he kills the first android in the shopping mall, like that whole scene is just so clunky of him so running through much the destruction. and I know. people everywhere. And it's like, It's like what? the Blues Brothers. <laughs> It was so yeah. his brothers. And I like that his gun, I kind of like that his gun was just a really big, loud gun. It wasn't like with a silencer or what you kind of, yeah. it was just like, Pfft. yeah, yeah, <laughs> big yeah. destructive, Good. noisy thing. And like, mm. and there was no, there was no, like, we do this in the quiet. It was like, no, there's shooter down in the middle of like, surrounded yeah. by people in complete public. It was just, and it just, it looked the whole time like someone who was just fresh on the job. <laughs> like, come on he's supposed mm. to be the he's supposed to be the best that's um, true and then my last final comment it's just daryl hannah's wig what's wrong with it it was terrible what do you mean Aww. what's wrong with it <laughs> yeah but like... she was like an earlier earlier one replicant. the I only wanted... wig that <laughs> was worse than that is in humans <laughs> if you know you know <laughs> what i'm talking about oh yeah I guess it is bad. It's like that fluffy kind of 80s thing. The yeah. wispy, fluffy bit. Oh, okay, yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> well, that's Fine. it then. That's <laughs> yeah, our, that our, it. Very, our, our very um, subdued mini <laughs> mini series episode <laughs> where we're just going to bum you all out with uh, futuristic societies and questions about reality. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Do you think sorry. this is coming for our future? Do you think this is the world we're going to live in? No, I really don't. I just don't like thinking about it, but I guess we have to. But <laughs> yeah, to a degree, I do think that it will be that miserable hmm. and that overcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. It mm. was very dark. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, I do think, I think with a lot of his work, it's kind of, he's on the nose with um, certain concepts and ideas for the future, which I think is really impressive from someone who was writing in, God, when was this written? I can't remember when it was written. One sec. She takes out the book. Uh, 1968. That's cool. Okay, so... That was episode one of our Felt K Dick series. So thank you for listening, fellow dickheads. <laughs> Join us in two weeks' time for our next episode, which will be the Minority Report. Bye bye. Ta ta. TTFN. TTFM. FN. Ta ta for now. Oh. TTFN. <laughs>